Joshua chapter 2 is where we're going to spend a lot of time. And uh, I want to just kind of preach. I'm looking forward to uh, what's going on here in a couple weeks with this camp meeting that's going to happen there at the Sanctuary Church over there in uh, Hazelwood, right right basically at the intersection of 270 and McDonnell Douglas Boulevard. And uh, that happens here on the what, 12th and 13th. It's going to be incredible. If 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 the last, because we have four of these in the state of Missouri that we've been doing. We're taking it, we're calling it regional camp meeting. We took it to Lebanon for the southwest, and it was absolutely incredible. We filled out the, the church, the venue. We couldn't have put hardly another person in there. It was amazing, uh, just outstanding. And then last week, uh, or, or you, know, you know, last week, last Thursday, Friday, we took it to uh, Poplar Bluff, and we took it to the Black River Coliseum. And we, uh, the, the space that we had, we filled it. We had over 1,100 people in that Coliseum uh, uh, Friday night. Just a powerful move of God. And uh, it's, it's coming north now. Here this Friday, Thursday and Friday, we'll be in Kansas City. And I'll be uh, headed there as well to, to continue to work because I'm on that committee. And then in two weeks, it'll be right here. You don't want to miss it. I promise you, you don't want to miss it. The reason we're bringing them to the region is not so that the preachers and the pastors get it. It's so that the saints can come. We know it's hard for saints to travel uh, a long distance, and so we're trying to put it as close as we can to everyone, and it's going to be a, a powerful time. The book of Joshua tells a story. It's the story of, of the children of Israel going into the promised land. They've been promised it all the way since Abraham was walking around, and of course they spent over 400 years uh, wandering in the desert because of their 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 stubbornness, stiff-neckedness, wickedness, stupidness, whatever you want to call it, they wandered. But now we flip the page from Deuteronomy to Joshua, and they're going to walk over, they're going to go over, they're going to see and experience and be a part of the promised land. The Lord began to speak to me, though, as I, I read it, and, and I'm, I'm doing what you're doing each and every day, and that is I'm reading my Bible. I uh, am not following the, the plan that we put out just because... I have a pretty robust uh, devotion plan that I do, and you've heard me talk about it. But I was reading here in the last week or so, I, my part of my reading was Joshua chapter 2. Now, I've read it. I, I mean, uh, if you go to Sunday school, you, you get to see Joshua. It's a great, uh, the walls of Jericho, all of that. That's a great story. It plays out well for our children. But the Lord began to show me something in there, and uh, I, I want to bring it to you today. And if you'll let me, I'm going to, elaborate on the story some of what I say obviously I'm taking a creative license we may never know uh, everything sometimes the Bible tells a story in two verses but you know it's bigger than that and so I'm gonna try to share perhaps some of Rahab's thoughts some of Rahab's emotions some of Rahab's uh, uh, way that she was going about it and just give me a little creative liberty to paint the story in a light the, the, the Bible begins to record in Joshua chapter 2 that Joshua sent two spies to uh, the city of Jericho. They wanted to see as this was going to be the first uh, uh, city that they come into as they take possession of the promised land. And I can assure you that even though God had promised it and even though it belonged, if you will, to the children of Israel, those that lived in Jericho and Ai and the other places, they were not going to lay down and just let the children of Israel come and possess their land. There was going to be some battles. There was going to be some fights. But God had already promised, don't worry. In fact, I like it. I think it's in Exodus that he, he gives the promise. He said, not only will I displace those in the promised land, I'll send hornets among them. And in my mind, the way my warped mind works, 
I just see God telling a whole bunch of hornets, hey, those people over there, I need them out of here, and the hornets just go, and they're attacking, and it's kind of like a cartoon until finally the people get so tired of being there, they leave, and the hornets come back, and God says, good job, hornets. But here they are in, in these two spies. They're coming to Jericho. The Bible says they go and they come to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Rahab lived in the, the wall of the city. The wall of the city was probably more better apt. It was actually houses and, and buildings all connected together. It was a massive structure. The gate was closing as they did every night. In those cities, they would close the gate so that no one could come into the city uh, 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 unannounced at night. And, and so now these two spies are stuck there, and they lodge in the hotel. That's probably what Rahab had, although there were probably other things that were not quite as moral that happened there. But it also was a hotel, a place where they could stay, a place where they could spend the night. And so the king's men came and got wind of the spies, searched, and Rahab hid the spies and directed the men on their way. But I want you to look at verse number 8. I want you to pay close attention to what Rahab says. Before the men laid down or went to sleep, she came to them on the roof and she said to the men, and I want you to, to watch this, she said, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us that all the inhabitants of the land melts away from you. If you have a King James Bible, I believe that verse says our hearts did melt. They were petrified. They had heard what God was doing. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And we know what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and to King Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Rahab, I'm, maybe, maybe they just heard the stories. But as I begin to read this in my mind, I get the idea that maybe Rahab was older than we may think. Maybe she was 40 or 50 years old. Perhaps she had heard, because although news traveled slowly, back in those days, news still traveled. Can you imagine as word got out what God did in Egypt? Ten plagues, final plague, the firstborn died. Can you imagine what it would have been like to, as it goes through the grapevine, however news got around to say, hey, there was a couple million people that were slaves in the greatest uh, uh, nation of all times or of that time. And, and, and God, the God that they serve, brought them out of captivity, didn't just let them go. I mean, looted and plundered Egypt as they went and they got to this Red Sea and Egypt kind of woke up. Pharaoh decided he didn't like what was going on and so he pursued and he should have been able to attack them. 400 years of being a slave. They didn't have any weapons. They didn't have any training. None of them had served in the army. The best thing they knew how to do was farm and make bricks. It would have been a bloodbath. It would have been the easiest battle in, in, in human uh, uh, mindset and human knowledge. It would have been the easiest battle. 
Pharaoh could have just had his chariots run around and, and, and just trample people with the war horses. It, it should have been easy, but, but Rahab was sitting around the fire one day when somebody began to tell her, but it happened differently. While there was a Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army coming, all of a sudden a cloud of fire and at night, a cloud of smoke, sat between Egypt's army and Israelites. And, and, and for a while, no one knew what was going to happen until the cloud lifted. And there was a dry pathway between two towering walls of water. Now, you can say the miracle is the fact that God moved the water back. I will tell you the miracle is far deeper than that because we're living in a perpetual rain season right now. I can't walk in the yard without sinking in mud today. And I know it's beautiful outside. In fact, I, I've threatened Brother uh, uh, Lee. I've said if, if God keeps giving 50-degree weather on Sundays, you're going to have to start preaching because I'm ready to go fishing. But, 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 you know, we got 50, 51, 55 degrees out there, but you still walk out and you're going to sink. And it's going to take a while. Uh, Dwayne, you know, he, he, he's fussing and fighting and probably Don fussing and fighting because they can't build, can't, can't dig their basements for the houses they're building because it's too wet. But God took a sea, dried it up, and instantly a million, two million plus people could walk across dry ground. And so the Rahab sitting around and they said, it was amazing. I've, I've heard that God, God pushed the waters back and there was a highway of dry ground and, and it was smooth where they could walk. And these Israelites passed through the Red Sea. They got on the other side and Pharaoh's army began to swarm behind them. Pharaoh's army chomping at the bit, ready to take over. And, and they began to pursue. And God, the God of the Israelites, caused the waters to fall over them. And, and, and not only did the waters fall, their chariots got stuck. Somehow that dry ground turned into miry ground. And, and the clay, the wet, and the, the chariots got bogged down. And Pharaoh's army lies at the bottom of the Red Sea. No one survived. Have you heard about that, Rahab? And then as, as those 40 years of wandering, there were miracles that God did. They, I, I hear that, that these children of Israel, they, they're wandering. They're not planting any crops. There's, there's no, not a whole lot of game in the desert, they're in the wilderness. It's not like you know, they can get uh, enough food to feed them. I, I've been reading a lot this year. One of the, my, my resolutions is to read more. And, and I've been, I read a book on, on uh, the uh, Lewis and Clark expedition, another one on... Uh, uh, Daniel Boone and they tell you how many deer and how many elk and how many bear they would have to kill a, a, a year to survive and it's, it's insane uh, they, they, would, they, would have, they would kill four or five deer a day just for ten or twelve men you can't feed a million plus two million people going deer hunting in the desert I know I've hunted in the desert for two years and I ain't seen a stupid deer yet hardly got one little javelina pig it had enough meal for me we'd have starved to death but I've heard that God is is dropping this manna and what is it yeah exactly manna I don't know it it tastes like wafers and honey and then there was this time that quail just a covey of quail I mean it was dark and quail came and they just kind of fell in the camp and the Bible says that it was four feet deep of quail all over the camp and, and then I, I heard that, that God provided
provided water and when, when, when they didn't have any water. In fact, I've been hearing this rumor, and the Bible alludes this, I've been hearing this rumor that the rock that the water came out somehow followed them. This rock moved. And, and, and Rahab is hearing all of these stories and then all of a the sudden they realize Israel's at their door. Right there, just across the Jordan. Several millions strong. Rahab said our hearts melted because A, we've known for 40 years the Israelites are coming. But we didn't know the day. We didn't know the hour. We didn't know the time. But I believe that the God of the Israelites was coming. And Rahab said, not only that, but I know when you come, I'm gone. When you come, I won't be here any longer. You'll, I'll be, you've devoted us to destruction. The Lord has already just kind of decided that Jericho will not survive. She said, I'm, I'm lost. I'm as lost as lost can be. But you know what? Guys, I, I don't want to be lost. I'm not comfortable with just accepting the fate that I, Rahab, is going to be lost like everybody else. What can you do for me? I hid you. I, I believe. In fact, if you'll read your Bible, you'll see that Rahab even used phrases like I believe. I know. There was a belief in Rahab. There was a faith in Rahab. Was it fully developed? I don't know. But she believed. And she began to say, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to die like all the rest of my world. I don't know if they get it. I don't know if they understand it. I don't know if they've been watching. But I've been watching and my world is about to end. And she says, she says, uh, here's what I need, guys. Let me, let me read it properly. I should have it memorized as many times as I've read it. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me, watch this, a sure sign. A sure sign that, that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Rahab said, I know I'm going to die. And I know that destruction is coming. And I know my world as I know it is going to end. There's a punishment coming on my world. But I don't want to be lost. I need a sure sign. I'm not willing. Listen to me, somebody. Rahab could have said, I'm just, it's okay. I believe. I'm good. We'll, we'll handle it. She said, no. I know I have faith. I know I believe. But I need a sign. We, we don't do too much nowadays this way. Mainly because us humans lie and cheat and we're horrible. Used to be, you could say a man's word is bond. And there's been multi-million dollar deals that were sealed just with a handshake. Not anymore. I need a sign. In fact, I need a signature signed right here. Let me get a lawyer involved. Let me get some contracts involved. Rahab said, I'm not going to leave my salvation to chance. I need a sign. I'm not willing to just see what plays out. I'm not willing to just maybe it'll happen. I'm not willing to do that. I need a sign. And so they told her, and I've got to hurry. They told her, said, here's what we're going to do. If you'll take this scarlet cord, the scarlet rope, I don't know what it was. It could have been a, a scarlet tablecloth for all I know. 
and if you'll let me, let us two spies kind of shimmy out the window on it. But as long as you leave, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to direct you to verse 18. I'm not going to read it, but verse 18. As long as you leave this red cord out the window, and as long as you stay in the house, and as long as your family is there, the sign that we're given to you will come to pass. And the preacher began to preach. And the preacher began to say, here's what thus saith the Lord. Here's the sign you're looking for. Here's what you need to do. And you've got to stay in it. Now, Rahab could have been like, sounds good. Again, don't know the day or the hour in which they come. I'm convinced that Rahab didn't wait until the Israelites came. In fact, I would posit to you today that Rahab left the cord that they crawled out of the window and she left it from that day to however long it came to where the Israelites came. She said, uh-uh. I'm convinced that she began to tell her friends, we got to stay in the house. Don't get out. We can't go. We've got to do exactly what the preacher said because the preacher heard from the word of God. I want the word of God. I have a sure sign. And then in, verse, in chapter 6, Look around, verse 21. This is after they've marched around the walls for, for seven days. The last time that they marched was seven times and they shouted and the walls fell down and they devoted uh, the city to destruction. Men, women, old and young, oxen, sheep, donkeys with the edge of the sword. I'm just telling you, I know it's bloody. I know it offends our American sensibilities, but we're not operating in the natural. This is God. God had some, some things that were taking place and he devoted the entire city to destruction, not one person survived except one little section of a wall and, and, and we all know what happened but I, I, I caught this in my Bible reading look at verse number 22 but to the two men that spied out the land Joshua somewhere, I mean, can you imagine? This is a city, the Bible, or, or, or archaeologists and, and historians say the city walls were so thick that they raced chariots around the top. There's a two, four lane, two or four lane highway around the top. This was a big city. And, and, and when they went through the city, nothing was standing. The walls are flat. The dust is going. There, there, there's people that have been killed everywhere. The animals have been killed everywhere. And Joshua is, is trying frantically to find two men that he sent out. And he finds those spies. And look what he says. Joshua said, go to the prostitute's house. Go to Rahab's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. And I'm just kind of convinced that Joshua in the midst of the destruction and the chaos saw a red cord fluttering in the wind and he said, hey, if God gave her a sure sign, it has to come to pass. And so uh, uh, you, you two men, go find her. I want to see her salvation and out from the chaos of a broken world and out from a world that God had damned and judged and said I'm done came a whole family walking faces grimy with dust holding a red cord and I'm sure she was saying he gave me a sure sign he told me I was going to be saved he told me everything was going to be alright I never wavered on it I listened to the word of God and with trembling hands she holds the cord a sure sign a sure sign but as I begin to read that I begin to hear other things begin to play out. For the day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. For the day of the Lord is coming in which no man knows the day nor the hour. 
I begin to hear the Lord's voice in Matthew chapter 24 as he began to talk about that this is what's going to happen. you got to understand when the day comes, don't be alarmed too many. You'll hear wars and rumors of war. You'll understand that this has to take place. Nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes in various places. It's just the beginning. There's a tribulation coming. Many are going to be put to death. You'll be hated for all namesake. Lawlessness will increase. False prophets will rise. The love of many will wax cold. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. The gospel has to be proclaimed. You'll see the abomination of desolation. And out of that, the, out of, after that, the days will be darkened. The moon won't give up its light. The stars will fall from heaven. No man knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels of heaven. Only the Father knows. It's like the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So it will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two in the field, one taken, one left. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken and one left. So stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming the Lord is coming. Oh, I could keep going. I, I could keep reading the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents. I could tell you about the final judgment, but can I just help you out today? For all too much in the church today, we don't preach about the end. We like the world we're living in. That's a whole nother sermon and scary thing. The end seems to be a ethereal, just fuzzy concept out there. For most of us, if we would be honest with ourselves, we would say that the end will come when we die. And while for that has been true for generations upon generations, there is coming a day when it will not be the death that ends this world. It will be the Son of Man coming to the clouds. And at that moment, and I could, I, I could read it, but I'm running out of time. I could show you where he said there'll be a judgment where I've got to separate the we from the chafe. I've got to separate the, the, the goats from the sheep. There is an eternity coming. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know what it is, but I have heard it all my life like Rahab has. I've heard what God is doing. I know what God has said, but I have the same faith that Rahab says. I know this world is doomed. I know this world is lost, but I'm not content to go to hell with the rest of the world. I must be saved, and I'm not willing for my salvation to be by chance. Lord, I need a sure sign. And these signs shall follow them who believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall heal the sick. In my name, if they drink anything, it shall not hurt them. They will speak with new tongues. In my name, this is the sign that I'm looking for. I begin to hear the words of John chapter 3 when he says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Is that sign enough? I hear the Lord saying that don't marvel about that. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. Don't marvel that I said you must be born again, the Lord said. He said, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound. 
but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is that every so it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. So Jesus said, the spirit is like a wind. And it comes whenever it decides to, and it goes whenever it decides to, but you will hear the sound. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat down on each one of them and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And when it was noised abroad, there was dwelling in Jerusalem that time people from all nations and all nationalities speaking their own language and they heard a sound from the upper room that stopped them in their tracks and they said it sounds like they are worshiping in our own language but we know these Galileans they're not that smart they're not bilingual what is going on so Peter stood up with the other 12 and he began to preach about the gospel the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in fact I know that he preached more than just what is contained within the verses of Acts chapter 2 I promise you that, that he did way more than that. But, but I also know that he probably, and, and, and if I was Peter, I sure would have done it. It was Peter that could have begun to, to talk to them. I think it's John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. If you believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. In my father's house are many rooms or many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. That I, where I go to prepare a place, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, for I and my Father are one. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, in fact, I'm going to send you a comforter that will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. The world can't receive it because it doesn't see him. It doesn't know it. But you know because he dwells with you. What he was saying was the world will not recognize when the Holy Spirit comes. And here's why. Because they didn't recognize when Jesus came. Jesus, uh, I think it's uh, John chapter 1, tells us that Jesus came to this world and the world received him not. And so if they can't recognize Jesus, they're not going to recognize the spirit that comes. And he says, but, but you will recognize it because you're with me. They walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They ate with Jesus. It was almost 24-7. But I love what it says. It says, for he dwells with you and one day will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. That's the new birth. And in that day you will know that I am in the Father. You are in me, and I am in you. In fact, he begins to say that these things that I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Comforter, that is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, will come and teach you all things and bring to remembrance peace. I leave with you my peace I give you, which is why when it happened in the day of Pentecost, that sign was so sure. That's why Peter could stand up and say, I recognize this because I walked with him for three and a half years. That same sign is given to you today. 
that same sign is still fluttering in the, in, in, in the window. I don't know how long this world has left. I don't know when it is that Jesus says, I'm done. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, I am long-suffering. I am patient. I am kind. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I tell you today, the only reason the trumpet has not sounded, the only reason that this world has not stopped, is because the Lord is patient. The Lord is kind, and he's reaching for one more person. He's reaching for one more family. He's reaching for one more culture, one more nation. And he says, I'm going to give it. But there will be a day in which the patience of God runs out. And he steps back and he tells Gabriel, I'm done. Let's pull the lever. Let's pull the plug. The world is done. Call him home. I don't know when that's going to be. But I have lived my 40 years like a Rahab sitting on the wall, looking as far as I can over that Jordan River. Because I know on the other side of Jordan, he's coming. I've heard it all my life. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. I've heard it. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. He's coming after you and me. His joy is ours to share. What rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise. Because I'm headed for that jubilee that's yonder in the sky. And I'm like a Rahab and I'm looking out my window. Is this going to be the day that the, that the Jordan parts? And here comes the children of Israel. Is this going to be the day that Jesus comes? And I'm watching and I'm waiting. But I can't allow my salvation to be by chance. It's not enough for me just to believe. Rahab believed that they were coming. Rahab had faith that they were coming. Rahab knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that when they came, her life was over. But the Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Paul told the people of Ephesus, he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Can I tell you today, as much as I'm looking for the day when the eastern sky parts, I've got a red cord fluttering in my window because God said, I'm going to give you a sure sign. And as long as you have done what I have asked, you to do when that destruction comes everyone around you may die but I will keep you I promised you it will come to pass it's the book of Acts chapter 10 when when Jesus pre or, or when, when Paul Peter preached to the Cornelius Peter uh, uh, came and, and I don't have time to go through that story you'll have to read it yourself if you're not familiar with it Cornelius, the Bible says, a devout man, a righteous man, feared God with all his household, gave generously alms to the people, prayed continually to God. He was a good man. He did everything right. But he didn't have the sign yet. I mean, if, if you're going to judge a person on their merits alone, Cornelius should have been at the top of the list. But Peter goes to his house. Peter begins to preach verse 34 of Acts 10 I understand that God shows no, no, no partiality but in every man I mean, I'm sorry in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him and Peter began to preach about Jesus just like on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 were added to the church 
3,000 were baptized in Jesus' name because Peter preached at the end of his message, Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise, this sign, that red cord that fluttered in the window, it was a promise. I don't know how long, Brother Sean, that, 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 they had to wait from the time the two spies came to the time that the Israelites came. I'm sure I could read my Bible a little closer and find at least some sort of a time frame, but every time she looked out her window and there was that red cord, she said, they promised me. God promised me. The children of Israel promised me. The man of God promised me. And she let that cord flutter. And so Peter begins to say, after 238, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name and fill with the Holy Ghost. He says, for this promise... This sign is unto you and to your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we already know that Jesus said he's not willing that any should perish. Another place says he's come to seek and to save that which is lost. He doesn't show any partiality. And so Peter preached to Cornelius and his household about Jesus. And verse 44 and while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, fell on all who heard the word. Now Peter had some of the Jews with him, some of those who had been there in the upper room and seen what God had done in Acts chapter 2 and had seen the Holy Ghost fall and seen the word of God come to pass. And, and they were amazed because the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And the Bible says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God just like the day of Pentecost. And Peter declared, can anyone withhold baptism for these people who've received the Holy Ghost just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and, asked, and they asked him to remain for some days. Chapter 11, and I'm ending. Chapter 11, there was a lot of people that were confused. They thought only the Jews could be saved. Peter said, no. Guys, you remember the sign that Jesus gave us? That same same red cords fluttering out of Cornelius' window right now. Because just like it happened to you and just like it happened to me, it's happening over there in that Italian band of the centurions and, and Cornelius' family. They, they threw out a red cord out their window that night. I was seven and a half years old at New Life Church there in Bridgeton where we attended they had a lot more steps, a lot more height, but right here, I was right there. And as a seven and a half year old, I began to pray and repent of my sins. And God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did I know? Well, it happened just like I'd read and heard and preached about the day of Pentecost. I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I was baptized not very long after that in the waters. And they, my dad baptized me in Jesus' name just like they did in the Bible. And from that day on, I've hung that red cord out my window. And I've looked at it every day. Lord, if this the day that you're coming back, I've got a sure sign. In fact, I could tell you that, 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 that as we're looking at purchasing, property and purchasing land, there's a term that's called earnest money. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you're going to buy a house, if you're going to buy property, you got to give them some earnest money that says, this is my sign that I'm going to buy this property. There's a few things i got to do. i got to get an inspection. i I, I got to make sure I've got the, you know, the finances all in order. But don't sell it out from under me. Here's some earnest money. 
which is why I believe it's Romans chapter 8 that says when you receive the spirit, that adoption of God, it is the earnest of your inheritance. It's just a sign that says, hey, uh, you got the Holy Ghost? Just give it a moment. I know there's still some things working out. I've still got a building program in heaven. I haven't quite got your mansion ready yet, but when it is, I got your earnest money. It's the earnest of your inheritance so that when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first, we that remain shall be caught up together with them. And I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to have a contract signed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to come boldly before the throne and I'm going to say, Jesus, I did everything you asked me to do. I was born of the water. I was born of the Spirit. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in the name above all other names, the name in which the righteous can run into and are saved. That name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and I'm going to hold my contract and I'm going to bring my red cord in and I'm not going to have to worry at that moment. I would tell you today that heaven, well let me, let me back up, judgment. You're not going to wonder. I know all my life, you know, I mean, we're kids, we, we make it up. Brother Matt, when you stand before that white throne judgment, I'm firmly 100% convinced you're not going to be scared and fearful because you have a sign. I'm not going to stand there trembling, waiting for some deviant dictator to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. But I'm going to stand boldly in his presence. Oh, humbled, absolutely. I still don't deserve it, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to be able to stand there with a sure sign in hand that I've done what you've asked me to do. It's fluttered out of my window for 32 years, and I'm ready, and I'm going to hear him say, Well done, my good, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in into the rest that I've prepared for you. A sure sign. Could you stand today all across this building? If you do not have that assurance, please don't leave your salvation to chance. Don't be, I can't imagine Rahab going, all right, I don't know who you two guys are. Whatever, if it happens, it happens. I don't know, no, she said, I need a sure sign. In fact, the two, the, the, the two spies, they made this statement, and Rahab could have said the same thing. They made the statement, they said, as long as you obey the word of God in this sign, if anything should happen to you, the blood will be upon us. We will pay the penalty. But if you ever take that cord down, if you leave the house when we come, it's not our fault. I tell you with full assurance of God, and the calling that he has given me as pastor. If you get to, to judgment, and everything I preach behind this pulpit or taught was wrong, may God judge me and not you. But if you get to judgment, and you have not prepared yourself, and you didn't follow the word of God, you cannot blame me, cannot blame the Lighthouse Church. It's going to be you and God, and he's going to say, where 
is your son. That wasn't just a Bill Engel quote. He says, what do you have to show? Where's the earnest of your inheritance? What did you do? Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That is red letter Jesus speaking. And if you don't believe that, why do you believe anything else in the Bible? If you're not going to believe the one who came from heaven to earth, then throw the rest of the Bible away and live the way you want to live. But as for me and my household, as for me and my church, as for me and everyone I can come in contact with, I need a sure sign. Would you lift your hands all across this building? I believe God is speaking to some of you today.